0: the third episode of becoming no one. I'm your host, Big Taj. And today we're going to talk about the energy outside of us that affects us. Okay. So the first episode was about understanding how we collectively are energetically designed. Okay. How we attract, how we repel. The second episode was how we are individually energetically designed. And now we're going to talk about the things outside of us that affect our energetic design. Now, I know last week's episode was a little different, but this week we're back to regular schedule program. Okay, we'll start with a little bit of education and then we'll move into the history and then we'll talk about some conspiracy theories around this subject. I'm actually really excited about today because we're going to talk about earth's chakras we're going to talk about ley lines we're going to talk about the Schumann resonance and then we're going to move into astrology okay we got to understand how the energy of the planets are affecting us and that is a big part of uh something that's been taboo for quite some time so i think us taking time to break down what happened in history looking at how it's used today and how it was comparatively used to Back in the day, maybe we can understand and come to some common ground about whether or not this is something we believe or not. Not that I'm trying to dissuade someone or persuade someone to believe in astrology. I just think that it's really important. It's scientific, it's specific, and that is something that we should at least look into. So if everything is energy, right, that means that everything holds a frequency or a vibration. Okay. So if you follow me on TikTok the other day, I posted about how each day holds a certain certain frequency or certain energy because it's ruled by a certain planet, okay? But there's also planetary hours, minutes, seconds. You know, the earth holds its own vibration, the Schumann resonance. And then we also have colors, y'all. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of synesthesia, but most people who have perfect pitch, um, basically associate a color with a musical note or a musical frequency or a sound frequency okay and that if they see the color in their head they know that they have hit the note but I believe that what these people are actually doing is tapping into the ether around them they're channeling that energy and because colors hold frequencies they're able to reach whatever pitch it is that they're looking for okay All right, y'all. So we're going to start with the Schumann resonance. Now, this is recent news to a lot of people because there was a recent spike in Earth's frequency and every influencer under the sun was reporting about this. They were saying, oh, my gosh, new Earth is happening, guys. The vibration is raising. Um, Everybody should get prepared. Otherwise, you're not going to make it to new Earth. All of this stuff. Right. But no one ever like stopped to explain what the Schumann resonance is. Um, On the other hand of that, too, there were a lot of influencers who were saying this was a glitch. So um, I want to explain to you guys what the Schumann resonance is so that we can kind of understand because the Earth is very much so designed like we are designed. Okay, so it's basically uh, what they refer to as the Earth's heartbeat okay and so if you listen to my first episode we talk about the earth and having chakras and um, being designed just like us okay so we'll talk about those specific chakras and where they're actually located today Um, but then we'll also talk about like how we are comparative to the earth okay so um, I compared, uh, compared us in the first episode to the Tasmanian devil because as he speeds up he turned into pure energy into this tornado or this vortex that's able to move through space and time very quickly where when he slows his vibration down he materializes that's what's happened to us and that's what happened to earth as well okay so we materialize from our heart space if you take the h off a heart and put it at the end it is earth okay that we also materialize on earth's plane okay and we're basically vortexes living inside of earth like atoms are vortexes living inside of us Okay, so everything is kind of this toroidal field or this Tasmanian devil that I've talked about before. Okay, so um, if we're electrical beings, then that means that Earth is an electrical being. And I think we have proof of this every time fucking lightning strikes. Right. So what the Schumann resonance is, is that there's this ionosphere, which you can kind of say the Earth's aura that is outside of the Earth right and this ionosphere when lightning strikes electrically charged particles go into this sphere right and that is what they're actually measuring now if you just dissect the word ion is the first part of that word and ions are just electrically charged particles okay now the crazy thing about this is that the schumann resonance usually sits around 7.8 hertz okay but That's very similar to our brain waves. Okay. And if they're saying this is the heartbeat of earth, our brain and our heart are supposed to be synchronized. So this could very well be the measurement of the synchronization between the heart and the brain. So you may ask me, Taja, why the hell would we care about this? Okay. Um, The reason why we should care is because have y'all ever listened to alpha waves or beta waves? What happens when you're listening to those through your headphones? your brain starts to synchronize with them. Okay. Listening to frequencies. When you go to sleep, your brain and your heart start to synchronize with these energies, right? So if that can be said about us listening to these waves by themselves, then obviously if we are filling them around us, then that affects us directly as the earth's vibration raises. So does ours. Okay. And they say a good measurement of this is looking at technology. Okay. As technology went from 3G, 4G, 5G, now we're moving into 5G. Technology just mimics us. Okay. So this is important because as the earth's vibration or frequency raises, so does ours. We have to move to keep up. And because we synchronize with them, because this matches our brain waves. Okay. We have to be aware of this type of stuff. Okay, so next we're going to talk about the earth nodal points and then we'll talk about the chakras and the ley lines. Okay, so if you don't know what earth nodal points are, they're basically these energy vortexes that are kind of like equidistant apart. And what's crazy about these nodal points is that a lot of our world wonders are actually located on them. Okay, like um, the pyramids of Giza and the Stonehenge okay like a lot of these places are located on these earth nodal points but what's even spookier is that a lot of our downtowns are directly on one of these energy centers okay but for an example I want to use Washington DC because we know that Washington DC was taken as federal territory and I said taken specifically right and Washington DC is designed very energetically right so the distance between like the White House and the Capitol building and the church and like how they're all designed is kind of like the tree of life. And if you don't know what I mean, it's like um, not the actual tree of life. I mean, the the diagram of the tree of life that has like 11 nodal points on their energy points or like. That follow the chakra system it has a crown it has you know a wisdom center you know and it kind of goes down from there now what's strange about this and why this is like a thing is because we all know that they do energy rituals okay and i like the word energy rituals they do energy rituals okay um, but what's also interesting is that this is the exact way that atlantis was designed as well allegedly okay So, I mean, obviously, it's something to it, okay? So, if we had Atlantis, who was designed exactly like this, and now all of our major cities are really designed like this, then, you know, there has to be a reason for this, okay? And when we look at, you know, certain nodal points, you'll notice that the United States has military bases on these points. Have you ever wondered why we have Guam as part of our territory? Like, what the fuck do we want with Guam, right? Well, they're actually situated on top of one of these energy vortexes or these nodal points. And now y'all know how I feel about midnight gospel. Okay. And I can't remember if it's at the end of the, um, annihilation of joy episode, which is the fifth episode or the eighth episode, which is with his mom about the meditation. But at the end of this episode, they kind of turn into these nodal points and they're all singing, basically saying we are all one, you know? And so if you want to learn more about this, or if you want to just kind of see people talking about this, watch midnight gospel. Okay. Okay. Um, Also, you can just Google this, Google ley lines, Google, you know, earth nodal points, and you will see that we are situated directly on top of these energy vortexes. And when mass destruction usually happens, it happens downtown. Okay, you don't see it happening in the fucking mountains. Okay, it happens downtown. And it has allegedly been said that um, energy harvesting is the reason why we are built around these energy centers. Now, when it comes to the chakras, you remember I said that we have seven main chakras, but 12 that we need to really know about in this lifetime. Okay. So does earth. Okay. So I'm going to go through what those chakras are and where they are located and then what their function is. And then uh, we'll talk about ley lines because ley lines is is what's supposed to be responsible for moving this energy um, through the earth. So the first chakra is um, in Hawaii Pacific Ocean. It's called the, if I butcher this, please y'all forgive me, um, Helakala Crater. And it's ruled by the zodiac Aries, and it's the planetary fire spinner wheel. And then we have Mount Shasta in California. This is ruled by Taurus, and this is the planetary base chakra. Okay. And then we have El Tul in Oaxaca, in Palenque, in Mexico. This is ruled by Gemini, and this is the planetary androgyny and harmony center. And then we have Lake Titicaca in Bolivia, Peru. And this is planetary sexual chakra ruled by cancer. We have Glastonbury in Shaftesbury in England. This is ruled by Leo and his planetary heart chakra. And if you don't know, Leo rules the heart chakra. Okay. So also known as the mobile brow sixth chakra. And then we have Table Mountain in South Africa which is ruled by Virgo, planetary earth spinner wheel. And then we have the great pyramid in Mount Sinai and Mount of Olives in Middle Eastern. This is Libra. This is the planetary throat chakra and planetary air spinner wheel. And then we have Mount Kailas in Tibet, China. This is Scorpio ruled and planetary crown chakra. And then we have Bali in Indonesia, which is ruled by Sagittarius. This is planetary purification center. We have Uluru and Kata Tjuta in Australia. I know I fucked that up. Y'all. I'm so sorry. Shout out to the Australian people um, ruled by Capricorn. This is the planetary solar plexus chakra. And then we have Mount Fuji in Japan. This is ruled by Aquarius. This is the planetary beauty and immortality center. And then we have, ooh, Jesus. Okay. Radha Punamu in New Zealand. This is the planetary water spinner wheel Pisces. Okay. And there's also something called blue moons and it's Sergei Pasad, Moscow in Russia. And it's the 13th center of synthesis. So y'all know I'm good for a good butchering of some names. So I apologize um, if that offended anybody. So um, the 13th site of synthesis in uh, Surrogive, Pasad, Moscow, this uh, six point star is the 13th site. Its qualities are the synthesis of the 12 foundation sites. Okay, so it only awakens once the the 12 are fully functioning. The 13th site is keyed to blue moons until the Greek side of 2008 for the purposes of the Earth chakra work, a blue moon occurs when there are two consecutive new or full moons in the same zodiac, kind of like we're having right now in August. There was um, a full moon August 1st, and then there's which was super moon and there's going to be another one um, August 30th, okay? So the ley lines are referred to as the great dragon. They're supposed to be like the arteries of the world. So if you think about um, the milk and honey, right? We say serotonin goes down one side, melatonin comes up the other side, all right? And christos okay that's where we get santa claus coming down a chimney the serotonin coming down that uh that ley line well not ley line but the ley lines in our body the art the main arteries in our body okay so the distribution of chakra energy throughout the world is primarily accomplished through great ley lines or telluric dragon arteries on a wall map of the world depending on how they are drawn the two primarily ley line arteries are the female rainbow serpent and the male plumed serpent okay so think about that because you, you know when they talk about a kundalini awakening they talk about the serpent going up your spine okay so um they form of image of an infinity symbol or double helix also these dragon currents directly connect all of the permanent earth chakras except one the throat chakra which is uniquely situated so the female Rainbow serpent and the male plumed or feathered serpent. The pathway of the rainbow serpent connects Uluru to Lake Titicaca, to Gastonbury, to England, to Moscow, to Mount Kalos in Tibet and Bali. The pathway of the plumed serpent connects Plink in Mexico, Mount Chasta, Mount Fuji, Bali, and Lake Titicaca. So the plumed and the rainbow circuit cross each other at only two places Lake Titicaca and Bali. Okay, and the crossing in the Andes is at the world's sexual chakra. There, the crossing blesses. Conception and birth on Bali. The crossing is like a planetary blood filter, removing impurities. Okay. A quick history lesson on ley lines. Okay, which the Chinese refer to as dragon lines. Okay. So the first person in modern West to identify the existence of ley lines was Alfred Watkins, a British amateur antiquarian, and this was in 1921 AD. Watkins discovered that many of the ancient archaeological sites appear to be arranged along a network of straight lines. Okay. So this means that they knew this back then. So the monuments which Watkins studied included the very ancient monuments of the megalithic people who built Stonehenge in New Grange. Now, I said that this was located where? On an earth nodal point. Okay, so that means that they were aware of the energy of the earth in ancient civilizations. Okay, and other Great Stone Mountains as much as 5000 years ago. So though they were thought to be considerably younger at the time, as well as other sites dating from the late as the medieval period primary churches, Watkins and many other scholars believe that still holds that many medieval churches were built upon sites, which had been sacred long before the later structures were built. And so Watkins felt that even these later structures actually marked more ancient megalithic sites. Now, this is important because when, remember when I said Washington, D.C., it's how the actual white house is is where the white house is where the capitol building is where the church is okay so a lot of churches are on these energy vortexes as well so again you may ask me taja why is this important okay so if we know that ancient civilizations used to design their cities just like this around these energy nodal points right and we look at what was being done in atlantis and we know that they were using crystals and other tools of divination to manipulate energy okay we know that that's why it was destroyed. Okay. They were getting to advance with technology. Why would we not assume that this is still happening today? Especially because everything that was taught in mystery schools um, is what happened in Atlantis, right? And then we have Plato's, Plato, who basically, you know, went to these mystery schools, talked about the mystery schools a lot. Okay. And the mystery schools actually turned into the occult. There's proof of this. You can look this up. Okay, it's sacred knowledge that isn't supposed to be shared. So now that this is coming to light and we're starting to look at this and we're starting to compare and say, okay, our cities are actually designed just like Atlantis was designed on these energy centers, on these nodal points right around these nodal points Uh, in Atlantis. They were using energy manipulation. Why would they not be using energy manipulation now? And if you think about it, what are the most concentrated areas of the city? Downtown. Okay, they build high rise buildings, high rise buildings, so that they can build up so that they can get more people downtown. Why would that be? I don't know. But, I, but that's something we need to think about, though. Okay, y'all. So, next, we're going to talk about astrology. Now, this is how the energy of the planets, the planetary objects, the elements, how all of that is affecting us. Okay. So, before we jump into what we normally know, which we would consider like the zodiac signs, the planets, and all of that, I want to talk about the energy of the elements because I don't see a lot of people talking about this. Okay, so if you're learning water, you will keep bumping into depression, mood swings, addictions, or sadness from your childhood because it affects you. Okay, water is about feelings. All right, so if you are learning air, it will be hard for you to make decisions, stay in relationships, or decide which direction you want to take in life because air again is about intellect, it's about thinking. Okay, and then you have earth. If you're learning earth, you'll get stuck in your job. Money and security issues will happen. Your dieting, discipline and your integrity around what's right and wrong will be inconsistent because Earth has to do with practicality. Okay, and then if you're learning fire, drama will follow you around. Someone is always angry at you or attacking you or you're constantly arguing with people and you can't sit still even if you have set out time to relax. And why? Because fire is responsible for energy. Okay. So when we talk about like you being in a crisis based on which elements you need to master, which we all need to master our elements. And if you are experiencing any of these things, then this is where you need to look in your birth chart. You need to look where your air elements are, where your earth elements are, where your fire elements are, what houses they're in. And then you need to learn how to balance those so that you can live and flow. Okay. Okay. So there's something called the air crisis. And this is when you feel dis- disconnected from people going through a lot of friends, not finishing projects, being indecisive, consistently changing your mind or your partners, short term relationships, multiple marriages, your fickle commitment issues, indecisive about what you want to do in life, caught in lies, okay. And disconnected from your children or your parents, okay. Or just pessimistic in general, you need to balance your air, qualities in your chart okay the earth crisis not enough pleasure or sexual fulfillment workaholic but dissatisfied with work never good enough overly responsible never reciprocated complaints about having to give too much okay because earth is a generous okay so if you're complaining about having to give too much Earth sign needs to be balanced, exhausted, and sad that fulfillment is burdened by the need for security, bankruptcy, or financial crisis caused by taking care of family members at your own expense. Now, child, I'm more earth than anything else, and I can't tell you how many times I've done sacrifice myself, and I'd rather be broke than my family be broke. Okay, that is an imbalance. In that energy, fire crisis, broken relationships that end with drama. You're a drama queen, a drama king who exhausts other people. Other people are exhausted and drained by you, feeling unappreciated or attacked, needing attention, sexual promise. okay and addiction alcohol or fear of drug crisis with law feeling rejected or limited success living beyond your means meaning you are spending 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 okay that is where that comes in okay and water crisis has to do with weight problems depression loneliness drugs sex alcohol addictions living with chronic illnesses feeling despair Happy, than sad all of the time. Sense of emptiness and a lack of faith. So you may ask me, Taja, how do we fix these things, okay? If it's water that needs to be balanced, you need to go inside. You need to meditate. You need to have stillness. You need to know that it's okay to cry. It's okay to ask for help. Uh, Develop a self-care routine, okay? Identify elemental patterns in your life that have to do with depression and sadness, all right? When it comes to air, articulate put words to the way that you are feeling. Okay. Speak about it. Laugh with your friends about what's going on. Okay. Journal, but it's, you have to get it out. You have to understand because it has to do with intellect, what it is you're actually feeling so that you can then try to balance those feelings and master those thoughts. Okay. When it comes to earth, investigate, acknowledge your strengths in your shadow side. Okay. Stop hiding parts of yourself from you. Okay, accept yourself for exactly who you are. Identify and get familiar with the lessons, okay? The lessons that you are learning. And when it comes to fire, transform. Begin to practice to create new paradigms, okay? Put energy behind whatever it is that you were doing up until this point, okay? Figure out a way to put action. Put those things into action. When it comes to mastering your thoughts, every time you say something that is against what you stand for at this moment, correct yourself, Okay? But we have to learn to master these elements um, because we, we need to learn how to master all of these elements collectively because, again, we are directly affected by the energies that reside within our birth chart, okay? The aspects of those elements that reside within our birth chart, we need to discover and investigate where our air signs are, where our water signs are, where our earth signs are, where our fire signs are. And if we're feeling anything that I just discussed, go to the areas where they are, Figure out what house they are and start trying to balance those energies. Okay, so next we're gonna talk about the planets, we're gonna talk about the angles, and we're gonna talk about the houses, okay? So when it comes to the sun, the sun is responsible for your ego, your willpower, your heart chakra, meaning who you are at your core. If something goes against something at your core, you might have an actual identity crisis about this. That's what I mean, like your core values, all right? Your personal identity, creative power, vitality, and it represents Yang, the father. All right. And then we have the moon. The moon is your responses, meaning how you respond to things, habits, patterns, feelings, receptibility, sensitivity, nurturing. Okay. It's the yin. It is the mother. If you've ever heard Erica Badu, I am the orange moon. The reason why she says that she's the orange moon is because when the moon, when the sun goes behind the moon, it turns the moon orange. The moon is the mother. The sun is supposed to be her son. She's using a double entendre. Okay. So. That's what she means by that. I, the sun is behind me. My son is behind me. I stand in front of my son. That is what she was saying in that song. Okay. So Mercury is the rational mind. Okay. It has to do with thinking, processing. It also has to do with your communication and verbalization. Okay. Lower education, short distance travel and transportation. Venus is affections, attractions, artsiness, desire for beauty, balance, harmony. Okay. And then we have Mars, which is. Aggressiveness, okay. This is um assertiveness, initiation, independence, pioneering, it's competitiveness, it's sexuality, it's all of that. Okay, and then we have Jupiter, which is about expansion, growth, philosophy, the higher mind, higher education, long-distance travel or communication, foreigners. We have Saturn, which is about structure, your limitations, your restrictions, your responsibilities, organizations, definition, authority, like think father figure. Okay. Chiron is going to be the maverick, the cleansing, the healing, the guru teacher, uh, the transition from status quo to innovation. Okay. It's about your healing, your growth, um, then we have Uranus, the unusual or unexpected uniqueness, individuality, revolution, reform, electricity. Okay. So when you think about Uranus, I want you to think your what makes you an individual, but also your humanitarian aspects. When it comes to Neptune, it's imagination, it's psychic sensitivity, it's connection to the all, to the aether. okay. To everybody around you, it's confusion, it's doubt, it's fears, it's intuition, it's dreams, it's illusions, it's all of that. Okay, and then Pluto is about transformation, uh, metamorphosis, death, and rebirth, shared resources, afterlife, spiritual world, psychology, and parapsychology. All right, and then outside of that, we have sensitive points. Now, these are North Node, South Node, part of the fortune, and uh, Vertex. Okay, so the North Node is new direction for your soul's perfect, difficult to approach, but growth producing needs to develop. Okay, so North Node is what you came here to master, period, point blank. Okay, this is the lessons that you came here to learn. South node is path of re- least resistance, therefore non-growth producing, holds back from old habits, stepping stone to north node. Path- the south node is your natural talents, is what you already have mastered in your past lifetimes. Part of fortune is blending of the sun, the moon, and the ascendant where um you find happiness and self-affirmation and the vertex is the point of faded relationships and inevitable meetings. Uh, connecting points to others and events to one another and then we're going to talk angles the ascendant is your persona okay this is your overt personality the way that you present yourself to other people it also has to do with the way that you look in life your self-image your physical body and again appearance descendant is partnerships businesses or personal the partner what one seeks in a relationship, one of one relating, okay. Mid heaven is your career, your calling, worldly status, reputation, 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 and the father. And then the IC is the roots and foundations, the home, the beginning, the ending of life, and then traditions, and then the mother. Okay, so let's talk houses next, okay. So the very first house is the house of self, okay? So it's the easiest natural expression, your personality, outlook on life, your health, your build, your appearance, your vitality, your mask, meaning uh, what you show the world, okay? And then your outward behavior. The second house has to do with your possessions, your values, your resources, your personal finances, your spending capacity, uh, how money is made, the use of resources, and how obligations are met. The third house is your conscious mind, what you are aware of, your communication styles, your self-expression near your environment, your short journeys, your siblings, your early education, transportation, and vehicles. All right. Fourth house is your roots. Fourth house is the home. Okay. The home, parents, family of origin, um, your traditions, your emotional base, your subconscious mind, which is again, uh, what you're not aware of, but what you can't change, um, your residence, your real estate, your conditions in early and late life, birthplace, beginnings, endings, and it has to do with the mother, the mother, the mother. Okay. Your fifth house is creativity, self-expression, pleasure, objects of affection, children. Okay. Meaning your children, vacation, speculations, talents, love affairs, a pursuit for its own sake. And then the sixth house is about work, 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 work. Okay. So work, service, health, Relations with coworkers, working conditions, job, employments, duties, adaptation to environment, diet, and hygiene. Seventh house is about partnerships, which is another relationship house, okay? Partnerships, relationships, close associates, partners, business or marital, okay? Open enemies, peers, contracts, Lower courts and negotiations. Eight is about transcendence. This is about shared resources, birth, death, transformation, other people's money. Okay. So if you get married and you're inheriting money, this is where you look. Inheritance, tax, and then psychic sensibility. Ninth house is foreign environments and languages, long journeys, super, super conscious philosophy, religion, higher studies, higher courts, um, in-laws and your publishing. The 10th house is public standing, a worldly attainment career profession status responsibilities images authority outward expression and has to do with the father but again 10th house is about career 11th house is about your association which is about your community your friends okay acquaintances friends clubs business contracts communal activities goals and hopes and then the 12th house is the behind the scenes this is the subconscious mind this is the hidden limitations this is your hidden enemies okay so look what planets and whatever is going on in your 12th house if you want to know who ain't for you and who's for you this is things that you suppress your fears your confinements hospitals prisms prisms jesus prisons mysticism and your personal ghosts Okay. So before we get into the zodiacs, we need to talk about polarity. We need to talk about the elements and we need to talk about modality. Okay. So polarity is masculine or feminine. Each sign is either masculine or feminine. The masculine signs are fire and air. The feminine signs are earth and water. Okay. So masculine signs are extroverted, outgoing, and assertive. They're considered to be the yang. And then the feminine signs are introverted, passive, and receptive, which are the yin. Okay. Now this might surprise some people when I say which signs are which. Now, the positive signs or the the yang signs are aries gemini leo libra sagittarius and aquarius okay they're determined they're energetic they're assertive they're fiery or feisty objective and extroverted the negative signs are the yin signs the fe- the feminine signs are taurus cancer virgo scorpio capricorn and pisces right they're more introverted they're subjective they're receptive they're reflective they're open and they're nurturing now when it comes to elements There are fire signs, which are Leo, Sagittarius, and Aries. And these are impulsive, inspirational, enthusiastic, intuitive, and energetic signs. Then we have earth, which are the practical signs, which are Taurus, Capricorn, and Virgo. They're practical, cautious, dependable, um, materialistic, conservative, all of that. Then we have air signs, which are the intellectual signs, which are going to be Gemini, Libra, and um, Aquarius. And I know... I said Aquarius is an air sign. I know a lot of people like to think that Aquarius is a water sign. It is not. Okay. It is an intellectual sign. Um, They are intellectual, communicative, abstract, idealistic, cooperative, detached, but they also are about relationships, community people. And then we have water signs, which are going to be Pisces, Cancer, and Scorpio. These are the emotional, sensitive, protective, responsive, sympathetic, nurturing, and psychic signs. Okay. So next we're going to talk modalities. Now, um, there are three separate types of modalities, and they follow a pattern of cardinal, cardinal fixed, then mutable. Okay, so cardinal signs are the leaders, they initiate change, and they are very encouraging. These are Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. They're also an active energetic dynamic, the doers, and they thrive in crisis. OK, and then we have fixed signs that are focused, persistent and firm. These are Taurus, Leo, Scorpio and Aquarius. They are stable, persistent, willful, resistant to change, meaning that they're kind of hard to move. I probably say stubborn. <laughs> OK, and then we have mutable signs, which are going to be that they adapt and they adjust. They're very flexible. They're resilient and um, they're variable, restless, easygoing and kind of scattered. And these are Virgo, Gemini, Sagittarius and Pisces. Okay, so before we get into the zodiacs, let's just describe each sign section. So fire signs are always first. They're the force of creating vitality. They generate desire, bring heat. Fires are vigorous, courageous, but also restless and impatient. They have trouble accepting limits, so they are prone to burnout. These are going to be Aries, Sagittarius, Leos. Earth signs turn the spark of fire into something tangible. They're cautious, they're sensible, productive, and materialistic, but meaning Uh, like materialism instead of materialistic okay understand and respect material things including nature nature sorry they're tuned to reality and get things done um and these are going to be capricorn virgo and taurus and um next is going to be the air signs now the air signs are uh they're enlivened to the intellect. They enhance sociability, bright, curious, versatile, and intellectually restless. Always curious and trying out new ideas and connecting people. They revel in converse- conversations and they're extremely social. These are going to be Aquarius, Libra, and Gemini. And then we also have water signs, which amplify emotions and awareness. They're vulnerable and receptive. They ha- are sensitive and often swamped by their feelings. They are intuitive and empathic and um, instinctively responsive to emotional atmospheres. They also have a spiritual side to them. Okay. And these are going to be cancer Pisces and Scorpio. So just a really quick way for you guys to remember these Aries is the sign of initiating or action is considered to be the infant in the Zodiac. So it's very impulsive. Okay. Taurus is the sign of the senses. And what that means is, is that uh, we appreciate the senses, whether that's taste, food, touch, physical touch, you know, um, views which is seeing you know smells clones hearing music like the senses like we really indulge in the senses and appreciate them gemini's are the signs of communication and language Cancer is emotions and bringing feeling into your consciousness, bringing awareness to your feelings. Okay. Leo is the sign of self expression. Virgo is the sign of analysis. Libra is the sign of relationships. Scorpio is the sign of transformation. Again, ruled by Pluto. Sagittarius is the, the sign of the seeker, the explorer, the adventurer. Capricorn is the sign of structure, ruled by Saturn. Aquarius is the sign of community, very humanitarian, ruled by Uranus, which is what makes you an individual, and also your humanitarian aspects. And Pisces is the sign of your dreams and imaginations. Now, Aries are super enthusiastic, inspiring. They're self centered, energetic, pioneering, outgoing, and assertive. Tauruses are stable, steadfast, patient, practical, stubborn, jealous, and artsy. Geminis are communicative, um, inquisitive. Jack of all trades, adaptive and versatile. Um, they're very charismatic. Cancers are sensitive, nurturing, receptive. They're home family oriented and they're emotional. Leos are generous, they're showy, they're dramatic, they're creative, a leader, egoist, and fun loving. Virgos are analytical, discriminating, critical, detailed oriented, service minded, and useful, sometimes judgy. Libra is diplomatic, other-oriented, meaning they care more about other people than themselves. They're peace-loving, refined, flirty, and indecisive. Scorpios are magnetic, powerful, intense, uh, persevering, passionate, and resentful. Sagittarius are idealistic, optimistic, scattered, honest, exaggerated, and restless. Capricorns are ambitious, responsible, economical, efficient, disciplined, and insensitive is are impersonal, detached, human, humanitarian, independent, original, and rebellious, and Pisces are sympathetic, sentimental, caring, responsive, uh, psychic, spiritual, unconfident, and escapist. Okay, so let's talk about the rulers of these signs. Okay, so the Sun rules Leo. Okay, which is the Sun lights up everything. Think about self-expression. Okay. The sun is responsible for your outer expression, your natural talents. Leo is the only sign ruled by the sun. The moon is ruled by cancer. Cancer is ruled by the mother. Okay. Cancer is very nurturing. It's caring. Okay. Mercury rules Gemini and Virgo. Okay. Gemini is communication. Virgo is analysis. It's conceptualization. Okay. Venus rules Taurus and Libra, which is about beauty and harmony and love. And I mean, if you know those two. That's right. And then Mars is ruled by Aries. Now used to rule Aries and Scorpio, but once they discovered Pluto, then Pluto started ruling Scorpio. Okay. Jupiter rules Sagittarius, but which is expansion, abundance, think adventure, exploring, like it's new stuff. Right. But it used to also rule Pisces before Neptune was discovered and Saturn rules Capricorn, Um, Which again is rules, discipline, all of that. And it used to rule Aquarius before Uranus was discovered. Okay. And Uranus now rules Aquarius, Neptune rules Pisces and Pluto rules Scorpio. So I heard this really great breakdown of how to put this into language terms. Okay. So uh, astrology is a language, right? So planet would be the fundamental human needs in the different voices. Okay. This is what we consider to be the nouns of the sentence, the who and the what. Okay, what are we talking about? First, you need to go to the planet first. And then the signs are how the planets express their needs. Okay, these are the adjectives. These are the styles in the way that we express. This is the pizzazz, okay? And then the houses are the various activities and behaviors in life. This is the context or situation in our lives to meet the needs. These are the verbs. These are the actions behind it, okay? And then the aspects connect, sentences into paragraphs and chapters and this is going to be whether it's sextile whether it's conjunct which we didn't really talk about that opposition square trine. you know y'all can look up that it's all based on the degrees of separation okay so to form a sentence start with the planet okay and then go to its sign and then go to its house for And one last tidbit about astrology, because I could be talking about astrology forever, y'all. It's so much information, right? But we got to get into like the history and everything next. But each house has a ruler, okay? So the first house, which is about your personality, how you appear to the world, is ruled by Aries. The second house, which is about money and possessions and earnings, is ruled by Taurus, okay? Earth. The third house about communication is ruled by Gemini. The fourth house about your home, your family, Um, is ruled by cancer again it's the mother okay the fifth house is pleasures your social life your children creativity it's ruled by leo okay self-expression the sixth house is service health work is ruled by virgo again another earth sign the seventh house is your partnerships your identification with others counseling open enemies ruled by libra which is relationships okay the eighth house is death instinct sexuality regeneration other people's money ruled by scorpio pluto death transformation okay there's a theme here the ninth house is long trips adventures right high mind i don't even have to say it sagittarius is about adventures exploring the seeker all right the 10th house is career reputation authority who did i say authority was saturn who rules who's ruled by saturn capricorn okay the 11th house is friends groups futures wishes Um, all of that. Aquarius. Okay. Aquarius is about humanitarian aspects. It's about the group. It's about the collective. It's about community. All right. And then the 12th house is limitations, uh, repression, karma, self unfolding, by Pisces, the water sign, the mysticism, the compassion. Okay. All right, y'all. So let's jump into the history of astrology. Earlier in the episode, I discussed how ancient civilizations would basically organize their cities around, on these ley lines and around these earth nodal points, which are just energy vortexes. OK, so now we're going to talk about what role astrology played in it. And again, this is just to give you guys the information that we have and for you to determine whether or not this is something you believe. OK, so some 34,000 years ago, um, it was recorded that people in early Mesopotamia were um, basically charting the moon cycle on bones and on antlers. So this is an indication that obviously they were paying attention to the sky with some sort of attention. Okay. With some sort of intentions. Okay. So uh, the next recording was about 17,000 years after that. And it was in France in a cave. They found the Taurus bull and also the Pleiades star system was marked on the cave as well. Okay. So again, an indication that they were looking at the sky Um, in the fifth millennium BCE, there were some astronomical events that occurred um, in China, but it wasn't until 3000 BCE in Bab- a Babylonian astrologer. Um, he started to map the constellations. He determined the length of the lunar month, which is a little over 29 days. Um, he charted the cycle of Venus. He marked the appearance of comets, meteors, um, rainbows, storms, and cloud formations. And basically what they were trying to do during this time is discover the correlation between um celestial happenings and the events on earth okay and when they were using this they weren't using it how we use it today like they weren't trying to determine the personality of other people or determine you know If their business is going to be successful, they weren't trying to do that. They were just trying to use this as useful omens to figure out what was going to happen to the collective, what was going to happen on the land, if their crops were going to grow, like that type of stuff. Okay, so during the second millennium BCE, they started recording their findings on clay tablets. Now, this is collectively known as the Anamu Anu Enlil, and this is just translate when Anu and Enlil. Okay, and if you recognize those names, you should. Um, These are what we consider to be the Anunnaki gods, okay? So Anu is supposed to be the head god, Enlil is supposed to be his son. Now, he's also referred to as other names as well, but we won't get into that too much, okay? So basically, Anu is supposed to be the sky god, and Enlil is supposed to be the lord of the air and the weather, okay? So they basically use these helpful omens, and this is kind of what they would determine from this. Okay, so anytime that Jupiter goes behind the moon, there will be hostility in the in the land. When Venus illuminates the breast of Scorpio, then rain and flood would ravage the land. When Mercury is visible in Kislu, there will be robbers in the land. When mercury approaches Spica, the crops in the land will prosper. The cattle will be numerous. The king will grow strong. Sesame and dates will be prosperous. Okay. So a lot of freaking abundance, but they didn't use this kind of like we use it today. Okay. So they considered this to be messages from the God, but the only person who they judged as a, you know, individual was the actual king. Now it wasn't until the middle of the first century Um, B.C.E. that they had settled on what we consider to kind of be uh, astrology today. So they had about 18 constellations that they were looking at and they decided to only consider 12 of them. They identified the ecliptic, which is just the path of the sun. And divided it into 12 sections in 30 degrees each. Okay. So this is kind of how we know astrology to be today. So we know that a full circle is 360 degrees, but in our calendar system, there's 365 days. Okay. So based on what year you're born in, you know, it could shift by five days, you know, which sign you're going to be, but this is when they first divided the signs up. Okay. Into equal duration, length, and value. Okay. So this is what modern astrology is based off but of but it came from ancient babylonian time okay so the they called their astrologers uh chaldeans because there was a place called chaldea and it was a small area in the southeast where they recorded eclipses and celestial events which became a part of babylonian later on okay so 539 bc persians conquered mesopotamia and later alexander the great greek conquered all of it so these invasions were about culture and colonization or assimilating everybody to one way of thinking one language so this is when that first started you know of colonization when people were trying to conquer other places and push their rhetoric or their agenda onto these people okay. now Egyptian astrology is what actually gave rise to a calendar and based things on what was ri- rising whether it was a star or a constellation okay Babylonian astrology provided the zodiacs, planetary movements, and the idea that planets were gods. And Greeks valued astronomy and mathematics. Okay. So the Greeks were like kind of skeptical of astrology. They soaked it up. But um they liked that it was scientific. They liked that it was specific. They liked that you can measure it. Okay. And, you know, astronomy and mathematics are very specific and um science, science science-based things. Okay. So they became interested in astrology because they deemed it to be structured and based on precise measurements like math and astronomy. Um, they considered it to be scientific and rational. The intellectual class accepted astrology at this point. Okay. So it took a while for common folks to accept it and for it to trickle down to, you know, welders and people like that. But most people who are high class, um, accepted astrology. Okay. So there was called an Island of Kos, and this was in uh, 280, 280 BCE, um, and there was an astrologer, astronomer, I, I can't really remember what he was, but his name was Byrussus. Barussis, okay? He was the priest to Bel Marduk. He created the school of astrology, the first school of astrology, and they provided a plethora of horoscopes. Now, he was so admired by the citizens of Athens that they made a statue of him with a golden tongue, but a lot of the horoscopes and a lot of the teachings were actually uh, lost from this era, okay. So, most important astrology contributions from the Egyptian named Claudius Ptolemy, um, which who who was born around 100 CE. He wrote two books. One was instructions on how to determine planetary and house positions, and the second was something that has been translated multiple mm-hmm. times. This is where we get a lot of astrology from, which is called the Tetra uh, Biblos. Okay, so. Ah, uh, most important astrology book ever written, and it's, it translates as the Four Parts. So it included elements, fixed stars, the astrology of nations, birth defects, parents, brothers and sisters, twins, diseases, death, and more. Um, as late as the 1700 the Tetra Biblos was actually being taught at uh, universities and was described as the Bible of astrology. Okay, but then something happened: the Roman Empire. Now, the Romans actually were really skeptical of astrology, and this is when the killing of astrologers started happening. But the Romans uh, really used certain things as omens more than they did, uh, like counted on the stars. Okay, So they paid attention to comets, dreams, lightning, snakes, lamps, uh, laughing statues, decapitated statues, trees that were growing in a weird direction, birds. Um, it was basically all superstitious type of things, right? So Augustus, the adopted son of Caesar, who was very skeptical of astrology, had his horoscope done and the astrologer, like threw himself at his feet. Okay. So this guy literally published his horoscope because he thought he was so great for this. And he even made, uh, coins with Capricorn on it because he was a Capricorn. Okay and so after Augustus was this guy named Tiberius now Tiberius was a freaking tyrant y'all he would literally take astrologers up to a cliff and make them read his horoscope make them do his horoscope and if he felt like they were being devious or he didn't like what they said he would just throw them off this fucking cliff not him specifically but he had a free man like a big freaking guy that would go up there with him and they would throw these astrologers off the cliff okay um He actually found this astrologer who was like super honest with him, you know, about reading his own horoscope and what he thought his future was, which he was terrified. So he was like, you know, I think sudden death or chaos is looming over my head. So he became really close with this astrologer. He actually predicted that a boat that was coming in was going to bring good news and it did. So it started like fostering a better relationship with astrologers after that point. But like most things with the rise of Christianity. Christianity in 312 CE, they started condemning ancient practices, but they also like outlawed astrology divination and deemed all of it to be paganism and saying that it was thought to deny free will. Okay. So around 364 CE, an assembly of clerics condemned magic and astrology, even St. Augustine, um, who converted to Christianity in 386 CE piled on. So he held that uh, the Christmas star held the end of astrology, but he was wrong. Astrology is still around today. Okay. So after the Roman empire fell, there was the rise of Islam in the seventh century and Muslim religious leaders, poets, and philosophers attacked and condemned astrology again, because they felt like no one could predict someone's future, but God, even though people still had astrologers on their payroll. Okay. In the ninth century, they made an astrology school in the 11th century. They made a textbook on astrology, the eighth through 13th century. They made uh, tremendous advances, especially in the invention of algebra, which really helped astrology. Okay. So um, the most important work though, around this time between the eighth and 13th century was the translation. Okay. Of a lot of things. And in the 12th century, they ended up translating the Tetris Biblos. Okay into Arabic and the rise of astrology started again. Okay. Because what happened was they ended up losing, um, all of the prior documents and because they had translated this into Arabic, they were able to save astrology. Okay. So, um, basically around this time, once they, uh, translated the Tetra biblos into Arabic, a the universities offered classes in astrology and medicine and Europe sought council with arabic astrologers um, especially around medieval times and when a catastrophe happened they would always come to astrologers to see what happened for example when the black death happened in 1348 in europe it wiped out a third of the population so the king of france asked them to look into it and found that the bubonic plague was because of the conjunction of jupiter saturn and mars in march of 1335 a lunar eclipse that same month um, only heightened the cosmic ma- malevolence. Okay, so this was actually a widely accepted theory. And then there was also Dante, Dante's Inferno. And in his eighth realm of hell, he had two astrologers with their heads turned backwards because astrologers are known for predicting the future. And if their heads turn backwards, they can only pre- predict the past. Now, the reason why he included astrologers was because he had an astro- a beef with this astrologer who criticized him publicly about his fictional te- teachings and all of that. And he actually ran a smear campaign against this astrologer and it didn't work. He tried to get this man banned from teaching and it didn't work. It wasn't until that astrologer did a horoscope on Jesus Christ and said it was because of the stars. It was written in the stars that, you know, Jesus Christ's death was inevitable and there was no God who played a hand in this. And they ended up uh, burning him at the stake like a witch. So as you can imagine, being an astrologer back in the day was not the fucking vibe, okay? Because you had kings and queens who you can't really be like, nah, bruh, I'm not pulling up on you. You can't really say that to them, right? Because that would be treason. So they had to go and they had to... Kings and queens were seeking their counsel, but if they did not agree with them or they did not provide the appropriate response or what was deemed to be the appropriate response, they were disposed of. Okay, so they were called on just like seers and psychics were back in the day as well. So, for our last and final segment, conspiracy theorists say, What? Um, I basically wanted to talk about sexual or sacred energy exchange, which is basically sex and how the Egyptians used to use sex magic and, um, well, not sex magic, but do sex rituals. I guess that's sex magic. And, um, I didn't get a chance to talk about the Egyptians and, um, their ceremony ceremonies in the education portion, because it just was too much with astrology and all the other stuff that I was talking about. So instead I'm going to talk about, um, the pyramids of Giza. Now, apparently the pyramids of Giza actually go down into the ground and they were constructed as healing centers to help people heal faster. Okay. And apparently there's chambers that go down into the ground. And at the very, very bottom of the pyramids of Giza is this huge silver disc that's supposed to be huge, right? And um it's been said that there was a point in time in history where the Greys were trying to take over the planet, and there was a lady who is pure of heart, and it has to be somebody pure of heart who came for Peru and she basically lifted this disc into the air and it stopped them from taking over the planet. It started making them very sick and very ill. Okay. And they had to actually flee the planet. Now, I don't know. I don't know if this is true or if this is not. Okay. But I want to know what y'all think about it. Now, I actually got this from um spirit science is on youtube look it up it's called spirit science there's one episode that's called the the world history of the history of the world y'all have to watch it's about an hour and a half and it's so much stuff if you into what i'm talking about it's so much stuff in there that's like uh-uh they talk about atlantis they talk about the anunnaki they talk about the emerald tablets the kelly tablets they talk about everything in this show so if y'all interested go check it out and please for the for the love of God, in these comments, tell me what y'all think about this. Okay, y'all, so for our homework, we are going to do some mudras, okay? So as I explained before, everything has energy, right? And our fingers actually represent an element, okay? So your thumbs are fire, your pointer fingers are air, your middle fingers are heaven or ether, your ring fingers are earth, and your uh, pinky fingers are water, okay? And These are actually energy circuits. Okay, so based on which circuit you are holding you will start to feel energy in between your hands and I know the first episode I told y'all to put your hands together and try to feel the energy in between but there are certain mudras that are responsible for certain things like knowledge and wisdom now this one actually looks like the white power sign and the reason why it looks that way is because a lot of our most powerful mudras have been taken by the occult and used so that we see that and we be like no we're not using that. that's the sign for white power why would I be throwing that up Okay, so you actually take your thumb, which is fire, with your pointer finger, um, which is air, okay, and you hold it air is intellect, okay, adding fire to air, and then you hold your other three fingers up straight into the air, it should look like a little bird, okay, and hold this for 15 minutes a day and just focus on the energy in between your fingers, okay, focus it. Hold it and tell me if you can feel it. If you can start to feel the energy coursing through your fingers, and finally, for our resources, y'all, there are several books by Robert Coons, but specifically, Pathways of the Rainbow Serpent and Plume Serpent are about the ley lines, okay, of the earth. Um, when it comes to stuff that you can watch please y'all go watch spirit science okay there's so much stuff on chakras on everything you could possibly think of watch the world history one first okay i need you to just take the hour and 50 minutes or however long it is because you're gonna come out of there like what the hell just happened yeah it's like that okay when it comes to tiktok creators uh i think marianne is really good at astrology there's a girl who's uh Thing is Bronx Tarot, she is really good um there's another girl who's Indie Wit, she's awesome at astrology okay there's plenty more people on the internet doing astrology there's also a girl who is native um Oh, shoot. I can't think of her name, but I'll drop it for you all if I can figure it out. But yes, those are our resources for this week. I can't wait to see y'all next week. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. I know I held y'all hostage for a little bit. We talked about a lot of information today and I was excited to share it with y'all. So I can't wait to see y'all comments, y'all feedbacks and all of that. I love y'all deep. Oh yeah. And I forgot next week is the week that we start talking about everything that y'all wanted me to talk about on this podcast so we got through the energy part understanding where we live what affects us you know how we're energetically designed individually and as a collective and now we're gonna start talking about the ego y'all so i can't wait for this next episode